Welcome to Rose Colored News, a law of attraction podcast where I, Barbara Wagner, discuss a few stories from a place outside of the drama triangle. So often people hear the news and let themselves get dragged into the drama without realizing that there's another perspective. I've been asked to help guide people out of the drama triangle dynamics of the news and figured others might like to hear it too. I also have a website, asabovebelowloa.com, where I offer law of attraction life coaching and run a blog. You can contact me or find me on other social media sites there too. For this first episode, I want to discuss the dreaded drama triangle. Everyone, myself included, has felt the drama that comes from perceiving ourselves in this triangle. Just because you can now see that someone else is playing a role in the drama triangle should not lead you to judging them as bad. I would argue no one is bad, but that would be a whole nother show. My point in explaining the drama triangle is not to cause more drama, and I'll explain how that would. The drama triangle consists of a victim, persecutor, and savior. It's very common in movies and plays to have this dynamic. It makes great entertainment, which is probably why the news has been using it so much recently. If I were to say, now you can figure out who is the persecutor or quote-unquote bad guy, then I would be placing you right back in the drama triangle. For example, if I were to say, now you can figure out who is playing victim, as if they are secretly a bad guy playing the victim in order to try to emotionally control people, I'd be placing you right back in the drama triangle. From a law of attraction standpoint, and I would argue a cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT standpoint too, no one is a victim. We all have the power to control our thoughts. And according to CBT, and I would suggest pure logic, our thoughts and beliefs control our emotions and our view of the world. If you believe that getting a promotion would be beneficial, if you think it would make you happy and then get the promotion, you'll experience positive emotions. If you don't get it, then you would experience negative emotions. But if you have a different belief, say that getting a promotion at this job would lead to way more work and less free time, Not getting the promotion would lead to positive emotions, and getting it would lead to negative emotions. The emotions are tied to the beliefs that you hold. You can question your beliefs, which CBT gets people to do. And if you change your beliefs through questioning and other techniques, you can create a world in which you are experiencing more positive emotions than negative ones. There's a great book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker, which describes the benefits of being happy. You're more likely to not get sick, more likely to heal faster, more likely to think of new solutions to problems, more likely to have more money, etc. Most people have a limiting belief that money creates happiness, when it is literally the other way around. Being happy helps you to make more money. All of that to say, people have the ability to control their thoughts and therefore their moods and therefore their lives. This means no one is a victim. Now, people tend to think about some tragedy that they know, like a child being raped, and they think, how is that not a victim? Law of attraction is more complicated. We attract what we're feeling vibrationally. We are vibrational beings. We're mostly 99.999% space, with our molecules moving around quickly enough that we appear solid. I believe we are this energy or vibration that doesn't die, but takes on new body forms, and would suggest that we came into this body with specific intentions because we wanted to expand. Some people choose to go through difficult childhoods because they want to learn and grow and also to help teach others. There are many people who speak up about the detriments of some unhealthy behaviors, and the only reason they know anything about the subject is because they went through it. Take me, for example. I love to help people to think differently because I saw what my negative thoughts created in my life, and I've seen how my changing of my thoughts has benefited me. 
And I love to share that with others. But if I hadn't gone through the really rough patch and hit my rock bottom, I wouldn't be here explaining this. I'm sure in future episodes I'll get into the further benefits of people going through rough patches. But my perspective, no one is a victim. It's very important to understand this before moving on to the news. The law of attraction perspective says you are attracting experiences and emotions based on what you are thinking, and this means you have total control over it, which means you and no one else is a victim. So you don't belong in the drama triangle. There is a way to not be pulled into it. When you truly believe no one is a victim, it changes things. I've seen people in Abraham Hicks groups, and I'm sure it happens in other Law of Attraction groups, where the people can intellectually say what the Law of Attraction is and still be pulled into this victim role. It's partly why I got the idea to do this podcast, because what threw them out of the vortex, this place where they see as God's source sees, and got them feeling upset instead was politics mostly, the 2020 election, and also the fear of catching a disease. This was mind-blowing to me that they could not see these things from Abraham's perspective, even though they're fans of Abraham. Even Esther was saying she was going to get a vaccine. For those who don't know, Esther Hicks channels Abraham. So from a law of attraction standpoint, our health is completely reliant on our thoughts, which means that we can heal our bodies with our thoughts. The placebo effect shows that this is true. But some people understand the law of attraction and still have other areas in their life where it's difficult to grasp. For Esther, her path of least resistance to being healthy is through her belief that the shot will help in that regard. There's nothing wrong with going with your path of least resistance. I'm making this podcast to help make the path a little smoother through my explanations. It takes time to absorb the idea that we really do have complete control over the thoughts that we think, which means we are not victims. I like to say when someone might label me a victim, I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. It's a good enough saying it does have the tinge of competition, which is still drama, but I don't believe I have any enemies. I just have unwanted beliefs that I shift to more wanted beliefs. So back to the drama triangle dynamic. If you take out the victim, there's no need for a rescuer or savior. And then the persecutor would have no one to harass, right? I'm going to read a little bit from the book, How to Break Free of the Drama Triangle and Victim Consciousness by Barry and Janae Weinhold, both of whom have PhDs. This is from chapter three, how the drama triangle mind game works. It starts off with a quote from David Emerson. Persecutors fear loss of control. Rescuers fear loss of purpose. Rescuers need victims, someone to protect or fix, to bolster their self-esteem. On to the chapter. The drama triangle mind game is described in transactional analysis as a series of rotating behavioral roles that people learn in their family of origin. Drama triangle mind games play out in groups of people who operate in victim consciousness as victims, persecutors, or rescuers. People who play on the drama triangle go either one up or one down in their relationships. The drama triangle allows them to switch between one up and one down positions. The rescuer and persecutor roles are one up positions, and the victim role is a one down position. The game involves a series of convoluted power and control games that help players get different needs met without having to transact them directly. For this reason, the coveted role is the victim. Once you understand the drama triangle, you will immediately recognize many different places where its dynamic operates. You'll see it at work while you're watching TV, reading a novel, shopping in the grocery store, driving in traffic, or just having a meal with your family. It's everywhere. In dysfunctional families, asking directly for what you want or need often provokes shaming and name-calling by parents, 
were other family members. This is because the drama triangle game contains an underlying twisted belief in deprivation. There is not enough blank to go around. Side note, that's a limiting belief. Continuing on. It may be mother's love, father's attention, money, or loving kindness. If you ask for this something, you'll likely be accused of breaking the unspoken rule about never asking. As soon as you break the rule, parents and other family members will accuse you of being selfish and or self-centered. Asking directly for someone to help you meet your needs, for example, is taboo in the game. Either you learn to do without the something, or you have to figure out an indirect way to get it. This is the core of the drama triangle, an indirect relational dynamic for getting something that is perceived to be scarce. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. This is an example of a family drama triangle. Here's an example of a drama triangle dynamics that involves two parents and three children. You can think about this tale as family theater with regular and predictable changes in the roles and characters. Act 1. Dad comes home from work to find his children in the family room watching television and eating snacks. Mom is in the kitchen drinking a cup of coffee and reading the newspaper. This domestic scene does not match the expectations that Dad had on his drive home. He fantasized that the house would be quiet, the children would be in their rooms doing homework, and Mom would have dinner prepared and maybe a cold drink waiting for him. When Dad opens the front door, he finds things are not as he imagined. He assumes the persecutor role when he vents his pent-up frustrations from work at the children. You're supposed to be in your rooms doing your homework. You know the rules. The children look up from the television, stunned by Dad's sharp tone. Feeling persecuted by Father, they respond as victims. Well, Mom said it was okay for us to watch TV. Mother comes to the living room after hearing the raised voices and the children. They look to their mother for help. She assumes the rescuer role when she says to Dad, the kids were just relaxing after being at school all day. This is the end of Act 1. Act 2. The second act opens at the point where Mother moves from the rescuer to the persecutor role and attacks Dad. Why do you have to come home every night and yell at the kids? Father then rotates into the victim role, and the children quickly pick up the rescuer role. They turn off the television and say, we're going to our rooms to do our homework. End of Act 2. Act 3. Dad shifts to the persecutor role and attacks Mother. Why in the heck did you let the kids watch TV? And why don't you have dinner ready? What have you been doing since you got home from work? You knew I'd be hungry. Mother now rotates into the victim role. Daughter hears her parents arguing in the kitchen and she comes running in to rescue. I'll help you get dinner ready, Mom. End of Act 3. Act 4. Dad, sensing that he looks like the bad guy, tries rescue by saying, Why don't we just order a pizza or something and not worry about getting dinner ready? Act 5. Mom, who hasn't yet been the victim, overrides Dad's victim effort by claiming the super victim or martyr role. She says, I'm perfectly capable of getting dinner. Besides, it's too late for pizza. I've already defrosted meat for dinner, and we can't afford to let it go to waste. End of Act 5. Act 6. Mother switches into the persecutor role and Dad to the victim when she says to him, All you can think of is something that is going to cost us more money. You don't ever pitch in and help get dinner ready. You just complain about it not being ready. End of Act 6. Act 7. At this point, Dad can shift to either victim or super persecutor. He decides to rage and explodes into persecutor so he can vent even more of his feelings from his frustrating day. I'm tired of always being the bad guy. I'm going to go and watch TV. I don't even want any dinner. He then withdraws to the family room as the angry victim. You can see in this domestic version of the drama triangle game how the three roles switched and players were able to get the payoffs associated with each. With the rotating roles and merry-go-round nature of the drama triangle, 
you see that the game could go on forever. In some families, it does. Mr. and Mrs. Weinhold also discuss how the drama triangle incidents in childhood create trauma. I would suggest those traumas stick with us, and when we get triggered, it's all because of those old traumas, and we can get rid of those, but that's another topic. The book does help to get people out of the victim consciousness, but I have other techniques that I would also discuss later. For right now, I'm going to skip ahead to the drama triangle and victim consciousness uh, section on page 32. Perhaps you noticed in the earlier family drama triangle example that none of your family members asked directly for what they wanted or needed. Instead, each person complained, threatened, blamed, and manipulated others in order to avoid accountability for their part of the problem. This kind of indirect communication perpetuates the game, allowing everyone to feel justified in venting repressed emotions. Drama triangle dynamics provide persecutors with a payoff, a justifiable reason for releasing pent-up emotions from the past. Present-time situations that contain just the right cues will also trigger the release of unprocessed emotions from past conflicts. When this happens, people have difficulty believing that the intensity of their emotions is not related to what's happening in the here and now. In fact, the dynamics of the drama triangle actually prevent people from connecting the dots between past traumas and emotions and present events and emotions. The dynamics encourage them to blame others for stirring up old, repressed feelings rather than to look inward and ask, why am I having such a strong reaction? While the drama triangle and victim consciousness are embedded in the fabric of our societal structures, they are learned first in your family of origin. Very few adults have completed their psychological birth on schedule and are emotionally mature. Psychological birth happens when you develop a strong internal sense of who you are, yourself. This can begin to happen as early as three years of age and allows you to operate on internal power. If you have not developed a strong sense of self, you will continue to play out codependent and counterdependent games in your adult relationships in an attempt to get your needs met. This means that you will have a split or polarized thinking, act out patterns of victimization, and unconsciously play drama triangle games. As I read that, I can see where that's playing out in current events right now. And that is why this is my introduction podcast, so that I can tell people to go back to this when I mention it in actual news in the future. But I hope you can actually see that. I'm going to go back to page 16 and just read one more section, and then I'll get back to talking about it. So this is what keeps the game going. Competition for the victim role keeps the game going. Let us repeat this. It is competition for the victim role that keeps the drama triangle game going. Each player secretly strategizes ways to claim the victim role. It is the prize. Only here can you get others to meet your needs without having to ask directly and blame others when things don't work out. The persecutor initially feels righteous in expressing anger at the victim, but then may feel guilty after attacking someone who is weak and helpless. The victim can then push the persecutor's guilty button, blaming them for a lack of compassion or appreciation for the victim's challenging problems. Then the angry victim is justified in turning the persecutor's anger back on them. This act of revenge flips the persecutor into the victim role. What a merry-go-round. The rescuer may also secretly envy all the attention the victim gets without having to be accountable. The rescuer's unconscious envy and associated ego wounds are often related to their own need to be taken care of and to get attention. This unconscious yearning to be cared for often provokes the rescuer into doing or saying something that causes the victim to collapse. This may motivate the angry victim to switch to the persecutor role, where they express their anger at the rescuer for failing to do what they said they would. 
The rescuer then collapses and gets to be the new victim, which is where the rescuer secretly wanted to be. Then the rescuer exclaims, Don't blame me, I was only trying to help you. If you are feeling confused after reading about players' rapid role switching, their unconscious agendas and the associated chaos, welcome home. This is exactly how it feels when you are playing on the triangle and being flipped out of one role and into another. So that's all from the book. An example in the current events of the role swapping is a certain subset of people who want to defund the police because they believe the police are bad. The police are in the persecutor role for them. After January 6th, some of these people said that those who rioted the Capitol were bad and we needed more police to stop them. So in that case, the rioters are the persecutors and the police are the saviors. So the police, you know, switch from being the persecutors to the saviors. Some of these same people also want to pass more gun laws restricting them, regardless of the fact that that would require more police to enforce the laws. So are police good or bad? To one of these people, it might depend on the day you ask and what the current news cycle is. The main issue is there are many people who do not feel safe. They have beliefs that are making them feel unsafe, and I would have to say I personally believe the mainstream news is feeding that because they love the drama of making people feel like victims as it brings in more money. There is a phenomenon known as the Trump bump, where the ratings for mainstream news went way up because they were able to place Trump as the persecutor. After he was no longer on social media and out of office, the news is now having a Trump slump and having to lay off people because of the declining ratings. Drama is great for ratings, but it's awful for the well-being of the viewers. Uh, do I see the TV viewers or news listeners, if you're listening to radio, as the victims of the news persecutors? No. They have absolute control over what they do in a day and what they choose to think about. They attracted their viewers, and the viewers attracted the news. I believe the viewers attracted the news in order to get triggered, because getting triggered leads to healing if you let it. I'll end on this note. Many people say that that person really made me angry. Trump is a great example for this. I wrote an article called Your Beliefs Can Lead to Freedom or Slavery, where I discuss a tweet of a woman who said, quote, I saw a child wearing a Trump 2020 mask at school today, and I wanted to literally burn him alive, end quote. These are the ABCs of cognitive behavioral therapy explained. In this situation, there was an activating event or action. In this case, it was that she saw a child wearing a specific mask. And then there was a consequence, C, where she wanted to burn him alive because of a negative emotion that she was feeling. The reason for the negative emotional response is because of the B, belief, that the person has about the activating event or action. So if a person has a belief that Trump should win in 2020, they obviously would not be negatively triggered by seeing the mask. This woman seems to have had a belief that Trump winning would be devastating, and we can tell this because of her negative emotions and consequences that came from the belief. What someone else does or does not do has no effect on your emotions. They cannot make you angry or make you happy. Your beliefs are what make you angry or happy. So if someone says, Trump made me so upset, you now see how that person has placed Trump in the persecutor role, themselves in the victim role, when they actually have the power to change their beliefs so that they are not upset by Trump. Now that you've listened to this, you may start to attract situations that resemble this, and you'll see how true it is. You and everyone else are not victims, but are completely powerful with the ability to create a positive life for yourselves. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. 